Welcome to Feminine Founder, where we talk all things recruiting, hiring, business, and entrepreneurship. Today, I have Wendy Brand with me. Wendy is a culture transformation coach and podcast host of Authentic Energy. So welcome, Wendy. Yes, thank you, Caroline. So excited to be here. So I'd love to hear your story behind how you got into the people and coaching space. Yeah, it, it's been a windy road. My career has been just this a multitude of different experiences. And when I was at a tech company, um, as a, I was hired on as a project manager, I had been, I mean, that, and that was new to me. Like I pivoted into being a project manager after running large scale events, uh, pivoted into a project manager in a tech company. And the HR team was about to roll out their HR system and so they pulled me in to program manage that. It was a workday solution. And I got into HR through that. I spent two years rolling out that system, then rolled out their learning management system, and then went back to get my master's in organizational development and leadership. Just really, really enjoyed being in that people space. And it was really exciting to be able to take some of the more strategic skills that I had learned in other areas of the business and apply that to the people world. And then my coaching just came recently in the last year. I experienced some pretty severe burnout and left my company in October of 2022, went and got my coaching certification. And really just in the last three months have really started, really got some meat around my consulting and coaching practice. I love that. So your corporate HR turned entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> so how does leadership create a thriving culture? You've seen that now from an internal employee standpoint and now an external employee standpoint. And what does success look like there in your opinion? Well, I think there are so many different factors that play into it, but but ultimately the leader is the person who drives I mean, we know that culture is everybody's responsibility, but the leader sets the tone. And so I think success in my mind and kind of this thrive culture that I have put together are areas where I have seen the ability to help leaders to create an environment where employees don't want to burn out and they don't want to leave. And I have been a part of organizations that have done it really, really well. And I've been a part of organizations that have not been able to figure it out. So I've seen both sides. And then now in that consultant role, having even more experience seeing that. So in order to change or improve culture, a transformation definitely has to take place. And can you walk us through your four-step transformation model, starting with acknowledgement, then going to learn, then going to lean in, and then transform? Yes. Yeah. So the first step is always awareness and and really acknowledging that there is an issue um, and that you're willing to address it. And so it's really important that you first acknowledge it, learn where the opportunities are um, to to fix it, and then really lean into the change. And I so I also um, in my time in HR became certified in a global change management certification, um, where really it's, it's understanding that getting that buy-in and you as the leader, your role in that, in that change is just critical. And so you as a leader leaning in and then 
bringing others along. And then the, the last piece of it really is it's important to iterate and be able to change as needed because when, when we, set, we set out to make a change or make an adjustment in the culture, it may not always look like we think it's going to look in the end. And so we just have to be able to um, continue to iterate. Let's say a company makes a choice to go through this four-step process because they do want to improve culture and there's an area of opportunity there. How do they keep that culture alive? Yeah, so there's I, I've created this Thrive Culture Framework because I, I believe that there are, as I said, just like multiple facets of it. And it's not just, and people have said this a lot lately, right? It's not the ping pong tables or bringing in lunch. That's not how you build a culture. But I believe, and, and I take a lot of what, what I've created from the, there's a book called The, the Burnout Challenge by Christina Maslach. And she talks about six different things that really cause that employer-employee mismatch. Um, and so there's typically a value, a value conflict, work overload, lack of control felt by the employee, a breakdown of community, absence of fairness, and insufficient rewards. So those are the top six things that can cause a mismatch between the employee and the employer and cause an employee to burn out. And so having experienced burnout myself, I and and having built culture and led mergers and acquisitions and bringing companies together and understanding what needs to happen for employees to kind of come on board with larger change. The six things that I believe kind of answer those uh, areas of mismatch are having tribal values. And so that is that is having values in the organization that everyone knows what they are. They're not just on the wall, but we know that if there's a values mismatch, which is what happened to me when I burned out, there was a direct mismatch between my values and the organization that I was working for. But when an organization has their values clearly embedded in their culture, you feel that every day and you would never join a company if you knew those values. You know what I mean? And so an organization that I worked for that did it really well, it was, we talked about it in our performance reviews. We talked about it at team outings. We talked, I mean, it, it, and then we lived it and breathed it. It wasn't just words. It was really, you could feel it. Um, and so that's what I mean by tribal values. And I think that can help address the value conflict between an employer and an employee. And then helpful systems and processes. So Work overload happens, I believe, when roles and responsibilities aren't clearly defined and the processes aren't clearly defined. And that can cause confusion and people to pick up things that aren't theirs to make up for others. So really having clearly defined processes with roles um, and responsibilities and then having a responsive listening strategy. So we know and I've been a part of both types of organizations. You roll out a culture survey, you hear from your people, and then you do absolutely nothing about it. Or sometimes even worse, you do something about it, but you don't communicate that you've done something about it and or make that connection for the employees. And so that's, 
I believe, really important to building trust in the employees and helping them also have kind of a a sense of control that they their feedback is valued. And also just one-on-one ones with their direct reports is part of that kind of responsive listening strategy where you've got direct access to your leader. And I think that's just like, I think that's table stakes. I think that's happening everywhere. But as I've been working with other organizations, I've learned that that's not always the case. And that's the first meeting to get taken off the calendar. And then absence of fairness is another area. Um, and there, that's where I believe having visible growth and career opportunities for employees is so important. So really having a clear, you know, learning and development strategy, making that known to the business, asking the business feedback for what they believe types of training and development need, need to be prepared for the employees. Um, and then the last thing really is insufficient rewards. And so this is where I think empowering rewards and recognition is just invaluable and a really simple way. <laughs> it's not so simple. It's a pretty big project, but I think that you know job architecture and understanding the framework of the organization creates fairness in roles when you have job descriptions and levels and it's clearly defined. So those are the six things in what I believe a thrive culture is. Medium to large size companies do a better job at the job architecting and having the stepping stones of, okay, if you do this, good good job at this, then here's your next step and whatnot. What do you suggest that individuals that own small businesses, how do they put these same processes and procedures into place? Yeah, that's a great question. And I actually am working with a nonprofit right now. There are 20 employees total. Some of those are contractors. And what I'm finding is even at the leadership level, the the five leaders on that leadership team, there's been some transition and promotions recently. And so everyone is just, it feels very chaotic. So even what I've asked them to do is like, let's create job descriptions for these roles so that everybody, it sounds like a simple thing, but let's, it's really about defining roles and responsibilities for so that people aren't confused about who's doing what work. So that's the first step, you know, and really for the entire organization, it's important. But then creating, I don't, even if you're a small company and you have five people creating some pay bands, just to say like, this is what at a coordinator level, here's what we'll pay, you know, at a manager level, here's what we'll pay at a director. So even if you don't even have a director level, just starting simple so that as you grow, it's not some, I mean, I, we've probably both worked for large organizations where once you think about doing job architecture and you're this massive company, it's hard to make that, you know, turn that ship. But if you start from the beginning with being consistent about how you hire and build those roles and, and do it in a, you know, in the most concise and cohesive way, I think you have an opportunity for success there. So how do leaders know when they need to make improvement in cultures? What red flags start happening with their employees? Well, I think, you know, we've all heard of, oh, I don't even remember the phrase now, but the quiet quitting or, you know, which is also controversial. But if I think if you have recently had a high performing employee 
that starts to not care as much about their work. And this, I don't mean, you know, they're not working weekends and late nights. I just mean they're not as concerned about their work as they once were, their performance. You might have an issue. I also am a a firm believer, again, as I mentioned with the listening strategy and having some sort of survey to an anonymous survey that employees are able to provide that feedback. And you can really see once once they begin to trust the process, and sometimes it takes a couple of times for that to happen, but once they begin to trust the process, you really will start to hear and see people sharing what's not working for them. So what does an engaged and thriving culture look like? I I believe, you know, one of our biggest one of the biggest needs that we have as humans is to have a sense of belonging. And when employees can go to work and feel like they can bring their full self to work, I think that is a a good sign of a of an engaged culture. I I worked at an organization where we had this this tagline that was, everyone wants to be a valued member of a winning team on an inspiring mission. And I think if you can create that for your people, it's so true. We all just want to be valued. We want to be seen and feel like we belong. Um, We want to be part of something inspiring. So paint that vision for your people. And then everybody wants to be a winner. So when you're, you know, it's easier when your company's doing well to, to have employees feel like they belong and are part of something bigger. I love that you just shared that three sentence motto, if you will, because it's very simple and direct, but very hard to create. Like you mentioned, no matter what size the company, and you're right, people want to feel a sense of belonging. They want to feel like they are part of something bigger than themselves. They want to have a purpose. And so how do companies create purpose and belonging at the same time, and also make money. Yeah. Well, I do believe that if you put people first, the profit will follow. I really do believe that. And because the people are the ones that are making the profit and whether they're making the product or providing the service, they, they really do impact the bottom line. And so, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a powerful statement and some of the things in the Thrive Culture framework that I talk about, I believe helps create employees feel like they're valued members with an inspiring mission on a winning team. So as we wrap up, how can our listeners find you? Thank you for asking. Well, my um, my website is wmbcoaching.com. So they can find me there. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I spend a little more time on LinkedIn than I do on Instagram and Facebook, but Wendy Brand is is where they can find me on most social media. And I'll link everything in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you, Caroline. 